All right, here we are, episode one of Shane Talks. It's been in the progress for about a year and a half now to get a podcast going. I've been talking to my buddy Jason Mayer about doing a podcast to talk about movies for a long time. And with this quarantine going on, I finally have taken the trigger. Decided the first episode I wanted to do was about 1999. It is my favorite year of movies being released ever. I have a lot of personal connections that we'll get into while we're talking about this. Um, the first thing I want to say uh, at the beginning of the first podcast is uh, we are going to dedicate it to my buddy Dave tonight, who is supposed to be on this call with us. But at 3.49 p.m. today, he had the birth of his first son. So not able to make this call. Uh, but Dave, if you're listening, congratulations on your son, Michael. Six pounds, 12 ounces, 18 inches long. Very happy for you, and I totally understand why you can't make the call. Uh, with me today on the first episode is my buddy Jason Mayer, who I've been talking to for over a year about doing a movies podcast. Uh, we got my buddy Andy, who is a drinking buddy of mine. And we just learned that he also worked at General Cinemas a few years later. And then we got Jason Richardson, who in 1999 was my boss. And I am extremely happy to have him on this call. <laughs> so uh, the first thing I want to get into in 1999, when I looked back over the list, uh, there are 35 movies that were released in 1999. All the 35 movies that I still to this day watch because I love them. So I'm going to go through those 35 movies. So just at the top of this, you can get an idea of how great of a year this was. Varsity Blues, She's All That, Office Space, Cruel Intentions, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Matrix, Go, The Mummy, The Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode One, The Spy Who Shagged Me, the second Austin Powers movie, Tarzan, Big Daddy, American Pie, the Blair Witch Project, The Iron Giant, Mystery Men, The Sixth Sense, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, In Too Deep, Stir of Echoes, American Beauty, Blue Streak, Mumford, Drive Me Crazy, Mystery Alaska, Three Kings, Fight Club, The Story of Us, Dogma, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Girl Interrupted, Man on the Moon, and Galaxy Quest. All 35 of those movies were released in 1999, and I think that is a heck of a resume for one year. Anybody got comments? What are, what are some of the movies you guys like on that list that you still watch to this day? American Beauty is still one of my most hated movies of all time, easily. Really? 21 years later, 21 years later I still can't stand that movie because every single one of those characters in that movie suck none of them are worth anything they all are pieces of crap i oh man that movie i i watched it and i was hoping i don't know if i was hoping for everybody else's like everybody else loved that movie so much and i went in and i was like oh it's got to be good and then i watched it and i was like holy crap this is a piece of poo no, 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 no. And, and, and here's, here's my argument of, against that, because, I mean, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but, you know, everyone's always bitching and complaining about looking for something authentic, and American Beauty was authentic. I agree. It was, it was beautiful, it was raw, it was honest, it was a great story, good dialogue, great writing, and a little fucked up. And we're all a little fucked up. I agree with that statement. I, I, to the I level agree. of Kevin Spacey? 
Yeah, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey, who won Best Actor that year. He won the Oscar for Best Actor for that role. The movie won Best Allegedly. Picture. The movie won Best Picture. And the movie won Best Screenplay. Okay, but to that end, uh, I'm going to skip a year here and take it back to something we talked about yes, uh, a couple days ago. Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. No. You See, your reaction to Gladiator is Jason's reaction to... Uh, American Beauty. Uh, People love it. People love it. You think it's a big steaming pile. Yep. You're not wrong. I mean, you hated hated Gladiator? I hate Gladiator. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. What do you have against Gladiator? Gladiator Pandora's box is officially opened. No, because Gladiator was released in 2000. Tonight we're talking about movies in 1999. (laughs) Fair enough. enough. But I'm just just making a corollary. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. And and you are not wrong. I I definitely agree with your statement. And Jason's allowed to have his opinion. I just, uh, I agree with with Jason Richardson's opinion. You're allowed to have your opinion about Gladiator, Shane. You're just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But we still got to give you shit about it, so... (laughs) Uh, I, I, I also am one of the people that looks at American Beauty as I am happy to see a movie that's not happy-go-lucky, everything turns out okay in the end. Like, this is what real life is like, and people make mistakes in real life, and people do really bad things in real life, and they have consequences they have to live with. And it also has a lot to do with perspectives, like uh, Chris Cooper's father having... Uh, um, you mean Chris Cooper. What his son is doing, and compared to what his son is actually doing it's completely different. So you get to see, you get to see how people make judgments without having all the facts and details, like right. in multiple storylines of that movie. And I, I think that, that I think oh, that like Annette, like Annette Benning, Annette Benning's character was like putting on the facade people who put on the, 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 you know, that kind of, uh, portray, try to portray that, portray that perfection and greatness and deep down to the core you know, we all just want to let our hair down and just loosen up. And I, it, you kind of see both sides of pr- people who try to be perfect and then people who are just perfection is, is bullshit. Sure. And that's where Kevin's char- uh, Kevin Spacey's character just veered off and he was just tired of that, you know, white picket fence family facade bullshit and a happy life, you know, kind of, you know, that they were kind of portraying originally, you know? So anyway, just stop giving it. And on a side note, not every single Hollywood movie that does that whole, like we're going to flip it and make it. It's not always a happy ending is that it's not always, that's not always something that I'm against even. Like I loved the latest version of a star is born. I mean, like, and I mean, it's, I thought, and no matter how, depressing and sad it ends like that movie was almost sheer perfection for me as far as yeah the writing and the directing on it and the acting like and whoever like i mean i get you got lady gaga to play lady gaga essentially <laughs> but like she was fantastic in that movie and i would have she music. stripped it she stripped it down and it wasn't right. lady it, gaga it sure. was perfectly it was a perfect deconstruction it was yeah. just bare bones this is it if you like it you like it if you don't tough titties for yeah. sure uh but so moving going back moving to 99 from, yeah sorry yes uh, okay. I, I, let, flipping back to that Shane. i think probably um ooh, 
American Pie is really high on my list of uh, favorites yeah. of that year. For just, sure. Just for how silly of the movie is. And obviously it takes what we were going through essentially at that time, like to a different level. And 100%. Ridiculous. It, it was it way above the top that we would ever imagine. But It so was Andy, our coming of age. Andy, as oh, a 14-year-old yeah. watching American Pie, what did you like? Because we were obviously a little like we were more a little past high school. As a fourteen-year-old, we were all legally adults by then. Yeah, uh, no. I was I was nineteen in ninety-nine. I was just I was happy 18. to see that I wasn't the only one. Okay, uh, you could relate to the characters still. <laughs> Are you still no. Stuffler? <laughs> oh no, I was Jim. I was definitely Jim. Uh, like, so Wait, hold on. American Pie. Like, let's look. Let's look at the teen films that were released in ninety-nine alone. <laughs> Uh, we got we got Varsity Blues, She's All That, Simply Irresistible, Blast from the Past, October Sky, 200 Cigarettes, Cruel Intentions, Wing Commander, 10 Things I Hate About You, Go, Election, Idle Hands, American Pie, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Dick, Detroit Rock City, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, Outside Providence, Drive Me Crazy and Girl Interrupted were all movies that had teen cast. Shane, oh, you, how did you, you for, for yeah, dude, I've, I've heard of like three of those movies, Shane. I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say that's how depressing. Seriously, irresistible. Which I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but god awful movie. It is a god awful movie, but it had a. Teen it's so cast. bad. I was told not to watch it, and I took people's word for it. It's terrible. It has a talking crab in it. Like it's the dumb. It's, it's terrible. But Sarah, oh, so did the oh, Little Mermaid. What's your point? <laughs> crab people. Crab people. Something I want to say about um, – I want to say something about American Pie. Yeah, go back to American Pie. Uh, work, you know, working at a movie theater during that time when that movie was out, just theater people just loved that movie. Nope. Um, the, the, the unique thing about American Pie was that was like um, – that was kind of like the 90s version of Porky's. Yeah, or, 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 yeah, like, or like absolutely. the spring break movies and so it kind of yep. it kind of tapped back into that kind of kind of like how scream did like you like for the halloween movies yes 100 percent. and so that yeah. was kind of a, a nice refreshing at that time when that was released you didn't really have like those kind of teen sex romp you know coming of age comedies mm-hmm. and it was a throwback to like the porkies movies and the spring break movies from the 80s and such and it and was just well. it was just fun and it yep. was done well and everyone enjoyed it and just r- that time period well, when that came out that was just a really good period and and everybody was talking about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, well you could we need that now like we do. Yeah, yeah like we need, you need one of those for this generation we need that relatability genre, you know, like it was, yeah. I mean, if you didn't have American Pie, you didn't have Van Wilder or you know, sure. Road Trip, Euro Trip. But there was a character for everybody in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yep. I mean, there was something for everyone, and that was that was kind of the the uns- uh, the uh, at the time unnoticed beauty of it. You could you know identify with one person or two people, and you're like, that's my movie. Yep. And for me, still, I think Eugene Levy was the just the cherry <laughs> on top of the cake. Oh, yeah, he was all of our dad. Like, yeah, oh, just yeah. watching him and his reactions and, and his dialogue and how he would his his tone and how he would react to Jim 
his son. And, and how he, but he, how didn't he took an awkward conversation and or an awkward situation and just made it even more awkward. Awkward, but still yeah. acceptable <laughs> at the same time. Like, or, or, or the beauty of him just not even having to say something, just giving giving uh, Jason Biggs a look and just going, like, look. <laughs> yeah, just raising an eyebrow or just as a grown up now I look back and be like holy crap my dad knew everything I did <laughs> we were getting away with it we were not we were getting away with shit <laughs> so you uh, mentioned teen, you mentioned teen movies yep. and I can't believe no one you didn't even mention no one's mentioned never been kissed and oh my god how did I miss that you're right I forgot about that that, that, was like that a is a fantastic fantastic 1999 movie that i will probably throw in every few months just because again that was such a great year and you know there were good comedies that came out and i love drew barrymore movies there's Mm -hmm. just something sweet and wholesome about drew barrymore comedies and i just wanted to kind of throw that one out there because i really like 100 percent. i agree with you um so last year when it was the 20th anniversary of 1999 i went through and on the 20th anniversary of every movie that was released, I watched the movie last year. Uh, Never Been Kissed was one that I honestly hadn't seen since the theaters, and I didn't know how it was going to hold up 20 years later, and I really still enjoyed it. Josie Gross. Like, Josie Grossi. Like, Michael Vartan was very good in that movie. David Arquette was very good in that movie. Like, it, it held up a lot better than I expected, and it was a lot of fun. And yeah. she's so weird, man, because, like, there are so many times where I've watched Drew Barrymore in a movie, and I'm like, God, she is not attractive, and I find her annoying. And then there, she can flip it, and it's just like Fifty First Dates, never been kissed. Um, I actually really enjoy the movie's not that great, but her character in Charlie's Angels is like again adorable and relatable. And you're like, I don't know what it is. She's either like over here, and like I wouldn't want to ever talk to that girl or like way over here and it's like she's so hot and she but she's she's not hot but she's like attractive and girl next door ish and it works so well for her it's so weird to me that she can be so different on the spectrum for sure uh so let's uh let's real quick uh holidays are always big releases these days for movies let's look at the holidays from 1999 and see what they actually released Memorial Day, which was May 31st that year, uh, they released movies on May 28th. That was Notting Hill and The 13th Floor. Not, the, not, not super big draw movies. Uh, Independence Day that year. Uh, yes, they what's that? Notting Hill was huge. Notting Hill was huge, but like 13th Floor, you thought was No, no, no. Day? 13th Floor sucked. Right. Notting Hill was huge. Notting Hill didn't translate. Yeah, Notting Hill didn't translate here, but it was big. I mean, obviously, For UK, sure. I mean, Europe, it, big, it wasn't our market, but it was still a big movie nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so Independence Day, July 4th, was a Sunday. The one movie that was released on July 2nd was Summer of Sam, the Spike Lee film, which is dark. a good movie. Yeah, uh, very and, dark. And it's probably because uh, one week earlier they released Wild Wild West, Oh. In South Park. Oh. I was going to say, uh, Independence Day was 1996, man. Yes. Yep. No, he's talking about no, July, 4th July 4th weekend. July 4th, oh. we, Independence Day is a holiday. Sorry. Gotcha. Not Sorry. the movie. Yes. 1996, 100%. Shane's got that wrong. No, no, no. Uh, I was but, thinking about that too, Jason. I, no, I, 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 
Instead of South 4th Park. of July, I wrote down Independence Day on my notes. But that's a prime example, Shane, of I don't think they will ever release a movie like that again at, at that time period. Really? In today's okay. – in to, um, Summer Sam should have been like a fall release. Agreed, 100%. Uh, yep. That's could have been a Halloween a, release. A summer movie. It, and they did, it's a they great did, movie, but it was not a summer movie. justice by, by releasing it in the middle of the summer like that. Yep. Well, I mean, because the marketing people thought – a hot summer in New York City means you no, have to release that true. movie in the summer. It uh, doesn't like, make any sense, but I would agree Labor with you. The day of 1999 was September 6th. So on September 1st, they released Chill Factor <laughs> and Outside Providence. Wow. Gosh, I haven't even thought of that movie in a while. Yeah. Chill Factor or Outside Providence? Outside Providence. The like stoner movie of that year. Uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving of that year. Obviously, they opened on Wednesday. Uh, we got five movies, two of which I think are actually worth something. Uh, we got End of Days and Toy Story 2. Decent movies for, for a Thanksgiving release. But then we also got Flawless. Sweeney Todd. Mansfield Park and Tumbleweeds. Jason, I think Sweeney Todd was 2001. Sorry, not Sweeney Todd. What was the... Uh, oh, God. We watched a double feature of Toy Story 2 and something. What was the... Uh, we watched Toy Story 2 and Sleepy Hollow. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry, Sleepy yes. Hollow. Uh, but I can't remember. Where was Sleepy Hollow's release date? Did I miss that for a... That thing? was the November Thanksgiving-ish. Was it? I may have missed it when I was writing these notes down. End of day is Toy Story Falls, Mansfield Park, and Tumbleweed. Oh, it was released November 19th, 19th. 1999. Uh, yeah, we apparently got to watch Toy Story a week early. We must have had a screening or something of it. Yeah. Uh, the Christmas movies. So here we go. Here's the Christmas movies of 1999. On Tuesday, uh, Christmas was on a Saturday, so we had releases all week. On Tuesday, we had Girl Interrupted. On Wednesday, we had Any Given Sunday and Man on the Moon. Ugh. On Saturday, uh, on Christmas Day, we had Galaxy Quest, Magnolia, yeah. and The Talented mm. Mr. Ripley. So of all, all those of those Christmas is the only one that actually had decent movies released that year. Interesting, really. Um, like, Because I think of now, like every holiday, they, they try to release something big. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I I don't know. That just that just sounded when you were kind of highlighting those. Uh -huh. That just that just sounded so uh, like a really serious Christmas. You know what I mean? Like. No, I just Galaxy uh, Quest is quite the serious movie. No, like no. Yeah. I'm, I mean no. I mean, talented Mr. Ripley is serious. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Interrupted is serious. Yep. Any given Sunday is serious. Sure. Love Magnolia is serious. It's super you know, drama. It, and then yeah. we got two comedies. But, but, I mean, Man on the Moon is honestly, I mean, if you're not a fan of Andy Kaufman, I mean, it's not your bag. It's, it's, it's a very niche movie. Not it right. is a very niche movie. It yeah. really is. But, I mean, if you are if you are an Andy Kaufman fan, like me. Sure. Oh, yeah. Jim, I, I, Jim Carrey did Andy Kaufman almost as well as Andy Kaufman did Andy Kaufman. I absolutely love Man on the Moon. And there is a documentary on Hulu, Andy and uh, – or I'm sorry, on Netflix called Jim and Andy. And it mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. So those were our holiday movies that we had that year. Man. 
there was a there was a, a few um, in year thirty five. I was kind of because um, I wrote down some of mine from you know from looking at the list and sure. whatnot. Um, one I'll say I agree with you on is I really liked Dick a lot. It was not huge, yep. but I just it was so much fun. It it. <laughs> I think Dick was be- not huge. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a five. <laughs> uh, that's that's one of those movies that like it's so it, it's such childish humor trying to do take it out seriously in a serious situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a serious situation that had very childish humor, not taking itself seriously. Like, I don't know. It's it's a weird movie, and I understand why a lot of people don't like it. But it's I I, I felt like the two girls, um, Michelle Williams and it was Kirsten Dunst, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did really well together. Oh yeah. Um, oh totally. Mo- most of the other movie didn't really matter. Just like their character, like Romeo and Michelle. Like the the movie Romeo and Michelle. Like everything besides <laughs> Romeo and Michelle doesn't really matter. I feel like yeah. Dick is very similar in that way. Yeah. But that I, that was one I liked. Um, I liked uh, the Thomas Crown Affair. Um, I liked. Um, I like in a weird way. I like this drama called Random Hearts with Harrison Ford oh. and Kristen uh, Scott uh, Thomas. Scott Thomas. That was a that was a wannabe Alfred Hitchcock movie, wasn't it? It was kind of like it was it was a obscure story, but it was about a man and a woman who they their spouses were having an affair. And so Harrison oh, yeah, Ford. that's not the movie I'm thinking of. Okay, okay. yeah. So it's 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 a it's pretty good. It wasn't big at all, but I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked Double Jeopardy in a really weird kind of uh, Ashley Judd way. Here's um, the really weird I thing about Double. Good. Here's the really weird thing about Double Jeopardy that I will always say. I I enjoy Double Jeopardy. I think it's a great movie. Uh, for some weird reason, they don't give you Tommy Lee Jones's character for the name the majority of the movie. Yeah, I wish at the very end of the movie, they were just like, "Hey, thanks for your help on this, Sam Gerard," and just made it a fugitive prequel. Yeah, like I, I, I feel like his character is very much Sam Gerard, and I, I don't mind that. I enjoyed that, but I remember watching the movie, and I'm like, "Man, they're never telling me this character's name. Like, I don't know his character's name. Like, right. what if at the end of this, it's Sam Gerard? That'd be so cool." And it wasn't, but like. Double Jeopardy was a, was a good movie. Besides that, that was just always like my one little thing I wanted from Double Jeopardy was to find out it was a prequel to The Fugitive. The other thing that was neat about it too, that was Double Jeopardy was one of those movies again working at the theater at that time where it was just this out of nowhere huge hit. Sure. Like, just kind of came out of nowhere and everybody just embraced it. It was almost like the movies were shut down for months and they released this movie called Double Jeopardy and everybody just went to go see it. You know, like well, just that- to go see. It. You want to talk about sleeper hits like that, we can address the fact that um, The Sixth Sense came out in August. Yep. And in December, we were still running four shows a day of it. Yeah, The Sixth Sense was weird because I remember we did a an employee screening of it. Mm-hmm. And it was about a week or so before the film was going to come out because we were doing a screening. And, you know, we didn't have much expectation of this movie. And we're in the midst of watching this movie, the few of us in that theater. And we were like, this is special. Yes. Like, this is, this is good. Like, mm-hmm. still didn't know it was going to be huge, huge like it was. But people will come and see this movie, but didn't realize it would get to where it, it got to. For sure. And that was kind of neat to to kind of have that advanced notice feeling of, you know. Uh, 100% agree. Uh, 
if you want to bring uh, situations like that up, we can talk about the fact that uh, Jason Mayer and Jason Richardson and I were all at a screening of the Blair Witch Project no. two months before it came out. It was a July release, and the three of us went to a press screening in May. Two months before there was any hype around the movie, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, and that was one of the best movie-going experiences. I was terrified Scared the watching shit that movie. out of me. Yes, I was terrified did. of that movie, <laughs> and then it got such a negative backlash because everybody was like, "Oh, this is fake. This sucks." But when we saw it two months earlier, we had no idea that was fake. Right. Andy, how did you feel about Blair Witch at fourteen? See, Blair uh, Blair Witch scared the crap out of me, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I went back and watched it not too long ago, and I thought it was the dumbest movie I'd ever seen. Really? You didn't think like, it I, like how? Uh, no, I was like, how could really? I have been scared about this? Like, <laughs> I, I I think at the time I just got a, I got caught up in the hype, like I, you know, okay. And it, it was new, you know, the way they filmed it with you know, different basically yep. them holding the camera and mm-hmm. made you feel like you you were in the woods, but. Like I said, I, I watched it again not too long ago, and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> Do you think Don't you understand. knowing now that it was all fake had any effect on that? Like, when you were 14, you probably didn't know that yeah, it was no. fake. And, you know, you, even, if, even if I did, I mean, most of the movies we watch are fake. So what if it was fake? All right, I got no. you. So, you know, it, uh, a horror or a thriller is a horror or a thriller. It didn't bother me that it could have been fake. I just, okay. Wardo, do you have any uh, feelings on The Blair Witch? I mean, at the time it was revolutionary, but now it's 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 become a trope. The steady cam thing, steady cam thing, is definitely annoying. It's one of those things that played itself out very quickly due to overindulgence by everybody trying to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. You know, uh, Jaber, do you have any other ninety-nine movies that you were thinking of? You know what? Here's here. This is an interesting one. And I felt a little embarrassed by this because this is on a lot of people's top sports movies, but the movie For Love of the Game. I am a huge Kevin Costner fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when he does a sports movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I like this movie a lot, but I forget about it. Like, I forget about the premise, I forget about what you, happens. You forget and- about it because it's really boring. Every every it is two hours of boredom, man. No, I, that is I my find, least favorite Kevin Costner baseball movie. I, I find Field of Dreams, Boulderum, this. Whenever I watch that movie, uh, you forgot I just Major get sucked League. in. I just get sucked in. But then, like two years later, if someone said, "What's the premise of that movie?" or "What?" what I'm like, uh, I I don't. I don't know, but I always end up liking it. That's just one of those movies where I forget about it, what happens, and then I watch it. I'm like, oh, but I like the movie. Does that you make remember, sense? Remember who Do you remember it? who directed it? Do you remember who directed it? The Sam Raimi did. Yes, good call. Yep. Yeah. It Which, should have been. Uh, it should have been better, but it was boring. That's why you forget about it. I don't. Anybody I don't else like agree it, or disagree? I I don't feel like it was boring. Um, I feel like it's forgettable. Yeah, because a lot of the like the whole story is very by the numbers for the most part. There are things that they do um, with the camera work and stuff that are very cool and very like like. Um, I always think of like the clear the mechanism part where he's talking about that and he's like trying to just like focus on throwing the ball and he just he he says to himself clear the mechanism and like everything like does this weird fade away. And that's like a very cool shot. Yep. It's awesome. And, and um, 
and but I also have a thing for Jenna Malone and like even though like <laughs> like I mean I was 19 when that came out and she was probably 14 or 15 I don't know but uh yeah like I've always thought she was a very attractive female and so like that kicks that movie up a notch for me. Sure. I, I, John C. Riley as his, as his, um, as the catcher on the team. Like I, yeah, I, it's not a movie I ever think about putting on, but if I come across it while it's on TV, I'll stop whatever I'm doing and I'll watch that. Okay, that's fair. So, Andy, give me a give me a 1999 movie that you're thinking about. So glad you called on me because I've been waiting <laughs> for you to bring up probably my favorite movie of all time. Let's do it. Came out in 1999. Uh, the Boondock Saints, bub. The Boondock Saints. Yes. 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 That, that is. That is. That is. That is. That is, that is in t- that's in top five for me all time. That's one of those movies. Such a I good movie. Just, oh. and, and I didn't see it in 1999. It was probably. Um, I was at IU when I saw it, and I a, a girlfriend of mine at the time was like, "Hey, we're watching this movie," and I was like. I have to watch that again. Like, leave my dorm room and, and let me be by myself because I need to watch this again. <laughs> uh, Jason, Jason like Bear looked or... like, what is this movie? Let me look this up here. I've no, never... no, no. I've, I've watched Boondock Saints. I just didn't know when it came out. It came out in 99 uh, across the pond and then here it didn't uh, come out until January of 2000. No, no, no. And I'm fine with you calling it a 99 movie because when you look it up, it says 1999. Yeah. I, yeah. It was just one of those things where I was like, I don't remember it coming out, and I remember Who it being a it? really small release. When yeah. It was an extremely yeah. small release. Extremely small. Who's in it? Uh, Sean Patrick uh, Flannery. Sean Patrick Flannery. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. 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 Billy Willem Connolly. Dafoe. Yeah. Willem Dafoe and and one of one of my all time favorite actors, um, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly, who did the mm-hmm. second the second half of Head of the Class. So, is it a comedy or dramedy or? No, it's a hard. You've never heard of the Boondock Saints? No. It is like one oh, of the biggest. Oh my god! Ever. Yeah, you have homework. Have y'all ever heard of the Like, like you should have heard of this movie. Like, it's about two Irish brothers who go around killing a bunch of people in the name of God. Yeah, yeah, they like, get I want to be when I grow up. Okay. Like you got the two guys. Irish guys over here smiling our faces. Off. <laughs> <I> know, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> We're both going. Yay. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. I, well, that's kind of refreshing just to hear something like I haven't heard of before. Like you know? I cannot. Like, there, was a, there was a sequel to it, like The Boondock Saints Two. There's also a documentary. Terrible. There's also a documentary um, called Overnight about Troy Duffy, who was the director of that movie, because mm-hmm. absolutely everyone hates this guy. Everybody who has ever worked with him or had any dealings with him hates him. He was a bouncer in L.A. who happened to write a script that the right person saw at the right moment, and they decided to make this movie, and this movie became huge, and it went to his cocaine-fueled head, and he, his raging douchebag he already was was expounded upon. They caught lighting in a bottle. Hey, Jaybird, I sent you a I sent you a text message of a picture. That oh has, yeah, that's, uh, what, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it lets you know that it's on. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can. I do. You can stream yeah, it it's now. been on Amazon Prime for like the past ten years. Yeah, and Netflix. That increased. <laughs> I was late. Uh, so uh, there's there is a uh, oh, hold on, uh, Wardo, give me give me your 1999 movie. What is, what is your 1999 movie when we started talking about this? 
Well, we already said American Pie. Sure. Um, you know, that's that's like like you said, it's the pork piece of our generation. Definitely. Um, Fight Club. Fight Club. Like, yeah, Fight Club. I mean, I'm glad somebody brought that up. Like, I mean, Fight Club is probably one of the best films ever written and made. It's probably in my top ten of all time. Like, I, I, mean, I find that movie to be perfect. I can watch that movie three times in one day and still enjoy it. Like, there is literally oh, so yeah. much fun, good stuff in that movie that, like, I don't ever get tired of watching it. It's crazy to think of the fact that Brad Pitt didn't actually hit a, like, a box office smash until Ocean's Eleven. Like, everything he had been in before then had never, like, even Fight Club. It didn't make hardly anything at the box office. It was a good actor. Reviews. <laughs> Not even yeah, like, a river runs through it. A river runs through but, it. No, it like no. Got, it but no, that, that was oh, exactly. No, he got critical acclaim, but didn't yeah. get mainstream. Okay. Never had right. a box office smash until Ocean's Eleven, and then I was. It's one of those moments where I was like, I, I was on Box Office Mojo when oh, they actually yeah. had a website that was worth something. And, <laughs> Uh, was looking up stuff one time, and I was like, "When did like what's the biggest movie you ever made?" And it was like all the Ocean's movies and World War Z were at the top, and then like hmm. everything else was way down that right list. Even Seven, Seven's down. On really? That list. really? Yeah, like it's it, like, didn't make interview much with money, a vampire, up, huh? Interview, interview with a vampire. Yeah. Like I'll, I want to, but see, box office smash back then is a whole lot different than box office smash now. So I was probably adjusted for inflation then. Yeah, and I was thinking like you got sleepers. Sleepers had a great cast. Like I thought that would make money. It didn't make any. When did smash come out? Because that was Brad Pitt's best. That was uh, ninety-seven, and it was empty. Like I mean, like there was like twenty, thirty people in each showing or something. But it was so serious. Wardo, what did you like about Fight Club? Just honestly, it, it, all in all, I'd probably have to say that it shows that everybody has a Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, just no matter how you slice it, everybody has the darkness and the light. I mean, I mean, not not to put a Star Wars type spin on it, but um, just the links you'll go to to prove yourself or to fit in whether it's in one group or another um you know and then finally one side overrules the other and just says f it this is who sure. i am i mean you know he comes in you know he, he, he edward norton shows up as this you know shirt shirt and tie nine to five insurance guy um and then the dark side emerges at night where he comes out and he's this brad pitt badass who creates this international syndicate, for lack of a better term, and he doesn't know how to balance the duality of it. It's almost like an anti-Batman where, you know, Bruce Wayne who had a handle being a billionaire playboy on, during the day, but being a, a, a superhero at night, he couldn't come to grips with either one of them, and it ended up ultimately consuming him. Definitely see that. So you got, you got a movie like Fight Club, that we question reality when you find out the twist at the end of that. Uh, in 1999, we also had um, uh, The Sixth Sense that we already talked about, how you question reality and, and what you just watched at the end of The Sixth Sense where you go back. And we also had a movie like The Matrix that makes you question reality, where like 
I, I, I wanted to get to addressing the Matrix, which in my opinion is probably one of the best science fiction films that has ever been put on screen. Um, I wish they never made the sequels to it because I feel like they ruined the original. I think that was but, a documentary, Shane. <laughs> but literally, like I, I think the Matrix is one of the best science fiction films that has ever been put on screen from storyline to reality to the, the video game aspect of it to also just how groundbreaking the camera work was like before CGI became what CGI is now. Like knowing that they did all of those effects practically with, you know, a hundred cameras around Keanu Reeves at one time. Like it's so fantastic. It, it holds up so much better than any CGI in my opinion. I had brought up with you the other day when we were doing our cinema meeting thing, the, the nice thing about The Matrix was it came out about six, four to six weeks before The Phantom Menace yep. was coming out. And so yes. with the Star Wars, you know, ramping up, everyone was geeked because Star Wars was coming back onto the big screen. And, and so generally April, you've got really bad movie product that, that are released before the stuff in May the summer stuff comes out in May. Sure, sure. So here we have this delay until Star Wars comes out. Everybody's anticipating it. And then up pops this movie called Matrix, you know, a month before Star Wars that just basically filled that void until the Star Wars came out. And it did more than fill the was, void. What's that? It did more than fill the void. It oh, sure. It, 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 was, it, was, uh, it was just a nice, wonderful surprise. It turned into a huge box office hit. And... Um, I just remember walking out of it like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, I liked it, but like, I need to see that again because yep. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And when it, you know, the, the, what's the, what's the scene where they dodge the bullet, where they lean back? Bullet time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was like a whole new world to everyone, you know, like everyone was blown away by that. And so that was, a, again, that was a nice time to be at the movie theater, working in the theater. And you see that shit before other people do, and you think, oh my God, this is something special here. Yep. Jason? I, re I remember um, somebody that we were, that you guys worked with, because I wasn't working at Clearwater at the time, but you guys were working with him at the time when The Matrix came out. He, he like completely like crapped all over The Matrix because he was like, please, bullet time's been done for years in Asian cinema. And all this other stuff, and it was just what, and like you know, here we are, like completely blown away, and we're mm -hmm. like, oh wow, that was so amazing and different and fresh, and and, uh, and it was Devin. Devin was like, oh, Devin, really? Ever like he was acting because he he watched Old Boy and uh, not Old Boy, but uh, oh god, what were the ones with uh, John Cho? Uh, not Cho, uh, John Woo. There was a couple oh, that he okay. did, and some other things that were over in. Um, in on that side of the world that did some of those apparently and he acted like it was like old tricks and stuff and that he had seen it so much beforehand and it was one of those moments where all of us are sitting there like this is the first time it's been done in america this is the first time it's going to be done in our on our side of the pond like yep. this is this was amazing um Absolutely matrix, amazing matrix was definitely something we were not expecting Agreed. um which is so weird because here we are talking about 1999 and you have The Matrix, which was unexpected. The Sixth Sense, which completely flipped us. Yep. You have American Pie, which reinvigorated that entire that genre. genre. Yep. 
Like it, it, it's just one of those things where like now I'm like, maybe this year is better than I think it is. Uh, and, not only that, let, let, hold on, let's get, let's get to this now. 99 was also the very end of hand-drawn animation, and we got Tarzan and the Iron Giant in the same year. Yeah, and I mean, like, and both of those, Tarzan's my, I always break up Disney into New Disney and Old Disney, everything sure. before Little Mermaid, everything before Little Mermaid's Old Disney, anything past that's New Disney, and I, Tarzan is still, my kids asked me not even a week ago what my favorite Disney movie was and I told them what I break it up into sure. and I said hey you got to go new or old and they were like okay new and I was like Tarzan like it's still my favorite and See, that's awkward learned. because I put Tarzan in old Disney for me new Disney starts with Treasure Planet when it was 100% CGI from that point on Treasure Planet wasn't though Treasure Planet everybody was hand drawn and all the backgrounds were CGI so you Toy Story Toy Story for like, me is it was new Disney well, and Toy Story yeah, yeah. Pixar, though, and Toy Story was also this year, but Toy Story was Pixar, which was owned by Disney, but Disney wasn't handling the animation on it. So oh, it, yeah. it still falls in that animated category for this year, but, like, hand-drawn, we still got two really great hand-drawn movies, because Iron Giant is still one of my favorite animated films of all time. The story Absolutely. that literally, like, the first time I should, Kaylin and Lily had never seen it, uh, and the first time I ever showed it to them a couple of years ago, like, they both looked at me at the end and they were like, why'd you show us a movie that made us cry? And I'm like, because that's how good this movie is. It's Movie's that, fantastic. It's that Animation good. does that. But does it? I don't remember crying in very many animated movies. Maybe Lilo and Stitch. Dude, up, up, first 10, 15 minutes of that, uh, I was a blubbering uh, mess, man. That movie is that, uh, I, well, and you know, I'm way more of a softie than Shane is, but like, Dude, there's so many times where I go to theaters with my kids now, and it's like Coco got me. Um, Coco, got the, me. the end of the end of Coco mm -hmm. got me. Dude, the ending of Coco, like, like I felt bad because I turned, I was crying. I turned and looked at one, both of my older boys, and they were like messy crying, like oh, ugly wow. crying, and I felt like a horror parent because here I am taking them to watch this movie that's making them break down like this and I was like oh god I hope they can forgive me for taking them to such a movie that might emotionally <laughs> scar them for life sure I've got that on blu-ray I need to watch it uh, I thought Coco, Coco was very underrated watching Coco when I was watching it I was just like I mean this movie's okay like I see the plot I see what's going on I know this I, oh he's gonna end up being his dad oh no, he's a guy that screwed over his dad I get it and what, like, why does everybody cry at this movie? And then, like, that bridge scene at the end, I was just like, oh, man, I see why people cry at this movie now. Dude, it, took me till, it took me till the end, but it got me in the end. And Onward onward got me a little bit. I'll admit to that one, too, because, like, that one, the ending is pretty nice. I um, really enjoyed how they did the ending of Onward, how it was like we weren't a part of it. We were We were with the main character that we'd been with for the whole movie. And then when the when the the brother situation happened, and we just we saw it through like the looking glass far away, like the brother did. Like I was like, okay, I I, I really can I can get behind this. Yeah, that's a movie that like if this pandemic hadn't happened, I think that that movie would have done a whole lot better because on opening weekend people were already starting to worry about this. Sure. So like they stayed they shied away from it completely. 
Um, so, I mean, it, and it really sucks, but I'm, I'm glad that I got to see it because that was another thing was I'm glad that Disney did what they did in releasing it early on Disney sure. Plus because I didn't get to see it beforehand because I was like, oh, I'll take my kids, be a family thing, and then that didn't happen, so... Sure. Uh, Wardo, did any of those did any of those animated movies from 99 resonate with you? For me, Iron Giant was always kind of that just perfect animated movie. Sure. And just just for all the right reasons. And until Into the Spider-Verse came out, I always that was always kind of a gold standard. Well, and that if if, if that's what replaced it, that's not a bad choice for replacing it. Uh, Andy? Yeah, I was going to bring up uh, South Park. If, if okay. we don't have South Park fans, I'm not going to talk about it. But if we do, then... Oh, that's perfectly fine. Go ahead. Okay. Saying, I'm not a big South Park fan, but I did watch the movie, so you can address... Oh, that movie is phenomenal. All right. So let me uh, let me start off by saying that, I, I you know, um, I was definitely a Mr. Rogers kid. Mr. Rogers mm -hmm. made sense of the universe around us. When we got too old for Mr. Rogers, we turned to South Park. Okay. And uh, South Park became the... Uh, the rhyme and reason to make sense of our world and so when this movie came out i was really excited about it i had already been a big south park fan and uh 1999 was also and i, I i'm ashamed to admit this now but was kind of the start of my foray into musical theater and so i was uh i i, I thought it i thought it took properties from like the, the popular broadway shows and oh geez and just threw it all together and wonderfully made fun of it all um at the same time being an amazing movie <laughs> and, uh, i it's one of those that like after i responded to your facebook group i was like you know what it's probably been 15 years since i've seen that movie okay bought it on uh itunes uh watched it and i was doing backflips off my couch just to the song like i was so fun it's so great it's just a, it's a so, fun movie were, so were you singing were you singing blame canada I need you to bring me up to speed because I've only ever seen the movie once and it was when I watched it in the theater. Um, okay. I, I remember Blame Canada, but I don't yeah. really remember the whole plot of what, like, I remember the, the, the devil and sex shit at the end. Yeah, a lot of Saddam I, Hussein. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't really remember yeah. what the plot of South Park was. Who's my uh, cream path? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think you're alone, Shane. It, it went in so many different directions. Okay. Um, but I, I think if, if you had to put a plot on it, it was um, Canada being Canada and trying to take over the world with Satan. Okay. Uh, and Saddam okay. Hussein. Um, and once again, we have our four South Park characters being right in the middle of it all. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, and you have James Hetfield singing a wonderful song while Kenny is flying down to the pits of hell. I forget. I remember the James Hetfield part now. Uh, so uh, looking back on 99 and all of the top films from that year, we've touched on most of them. There's a couple we haven't. And one of them is a movie that Andy specifically brought up the other night when I put up my post looking for people to talk about this. Probably one of my favorite action-adventure movies. It still holds up today. It's still very funny and very fun and is a great Indiana Jones-like adventure. Heck and that's yeah. the mummy. Yeah. I really, I, I'm very happy that you, that you enjoy that movie. Which uh, movie? Favorite? The mummy. Oh, God. So Indiana Jones was my favorite movie 
probably to this day, Raiders of the Lost Ark is okay. top top five for me. Okay. Um, un- unfortunately, it has gone down the list. I remember watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark with my grandpa when I was probably eight years old, maybe on the, the, nice. the old school VHS, and uh, thought like, "Oh, you know, this that's who I want to be." And um, I've always been drawn to those types of movies, and it's not just uh, like the Mummy was was ex- was one of my favorite of that action adventure Indiana Jones esque yes. genres, but just me personally, I'm attracted to that kind of movie in general mm-hmm. um but yeah the mummy again uh own it watched it um the other day and like it, it just it holds up uh, uh yeah I don't, I don't know just it's a great movie it is, fantastic it is a great, movie it is, it is i wanted story. to like that movie i so wanted to like that movie and it is a rip it was a rip off of indiana jones but i felt sure. that there was a um there's a little more seriousness to the the Indiana Jones, even though it had lots of humor. Yeah, for sure. It, yep. and, and 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 I just oh, I wanted to like that movie, and it was like a, a it was a May release, and mm-hmm. and it was a big popcorn movie, and mm-hmm. I just felt I was just bored with it. Oh, how could you be bored? Hey, hey Jason, could you have beats. seen could you have seen anybody except for Brandon Fraser in that movie? <sighs> No, 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 no. He was perfect. <laughs> Jay Bird be like, I'll watch Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> <laughs> they tried that, Jay Bird. Yeah, they tried, tried that. Okay, well, so, so real quick. So speaking of the money, mummy. If you say anything good about that mummy, I'm no. booting you off the call. No. There was some, I was excited to see the remake of the mummy with Tom Cruise. Because generally I like Tom Cruise movies. And you know, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe this will get me into the the whole mummy thing and and whatnot. And I remember going to see that, and I was just like, completely fucking bored out of my mind, with the exception of some of the action sequences, which, which were really good. But otherwise, I was just like, the Brendan Fraser per- version was actually better. It was. And it was so. And, it, so it had fun. Your boy Russell Crowe in it too. Like that. That was like a surefire Jaybird movie right there. Sure. Russell Crowe oh. and Tom Cruise, and you can't give us a good movie. Like I felt. Oh, that movie. Okay, so well, I, I, love, I don't I think love the world the was ready for like a mummy re- remake yet. I like the crashing. The We're plane still crash not ready sequence. for it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I almost. I kid you not. I almost bought the the Blu-ray out of the Walmart bin for five bucks at Walmart maybe a couple months ago, just because of that scene. I don't know, five bucks, that's pretty cheap, you know, but I, you know what, I picked it up and I started shopping around and then in the middle of, I don't know, the soup aisle, I'm just like, no, I'm not buying this food. <laughs> <And I> just, <laughs> Put it back with the soup. We've all been it there. Was that, it was that one in this uh, Halle Berry movie called, uh, where she, some, the girl gets kidnapped or something like that, which I kind of like. But oh, nine one one. It was the nine one one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up like I will buy that someday because I actually really did like the movie. But I'm like, okay, don't don't just buy these to buy these. You, you buy it when you really want to buy it. You know what I mean? And don't just I, do I didn't it. hate. I didn't hate that movie. So did Halle Berry anyways. have any? Did Halle Berry have any movies in 1999? Is what I'm curious about now. Swordfish was, was what 2000. Or if this was yeah. 2000 or 2001. Yeah. Um, when did the first oh, one? I think it was 2001. So, uh, no, she technically she had a television movie in 1999, but no theatrical releases. 
so uh, the other two that are on the top ten of ninety nine that we haven't touched yet are both spy movies. We have the James Bond release from that year, and we have the Austin Powers release from that year. I enjoyed them both. The James Bond release was terrible. It's the one that has Christmas Jones in it, which is the absolute stupid... Pierce Brosnan, unfortunately... Was it... uh, Pierce Brosnan, unfortunately, only did one good James Bond movie, and that really sucks, because I still love GoldenEye. I will defend it to this day. I love that movie to death. His next three James Bonds were some of the worst James Bonds I've ever seen. Okay, but Shane, out of those three worst James Bond films, what's the best? It's that one. After GoldenEye, it's that one. Die Another Day and Tomorrow Tomorrow Never Dies are probably worse than The World Is Not Enough. (laughs) Thank you. That's that's all I needed you to say. Okay, I I will admit to that. No, no, what did not help the world is not enough who? was Denise Richards. That's like being first place in the Special Olympics, but still. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jaybird, your Denise Richards comment? Yeah, I just said Denise Richards did was so horrible yep. in that in, in, in that James Bond movie. And, and again, I was just watching that on HBO the other night or I was just like, and, and trust me, I've got it in my James Bond collection, and I would watch the movie, but God, she was just so fucking bad in that movie. How any casting director ever thought we would believe that she was a nuclear physicist? It was or her looks, know? and she was hot off of Starship Troopers, man. I don't know. Give me Michelle Yeoh or somebody. Like, if you want an older hot woman, like, just give me somebody that I believe actually knows anything well, about She came, to, she came in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, Austin what Powers about Con- 2, yeah. I remember watching, I saw a, um, a trade screening uh, at Eastgate like one or two weeks before. No, it, it might have been a full month before it opened because it was definitely a work print because um, the, uh, the colors weren't right on it. Hmm. And I got to tell you, I, that was, that's one of my favorite comedies that I've ever watched because of how much laughter I think it was. I think of everybody who was at the trade screening, I think I knew like 80% of the people that were in that auditorium and we were all rolling during that film. And it was so worth watching. It it's, was so I good. couldn't believe how huge it was. I mean, sure. That movie we knew it was going to do better than the, the first one because it developed the cult following. But did not know it was going to be this huge monster of, you know, huge. Sure. That, movie, that movie is fucking huge. And I, and I have to say, it, it is one of the movies where I love it more than its original. Like, I don't dislike the first one. I thought the first one was fine. But I don't know if it was because it had Heather Graham in it. I don't know if it's because I, I got more of the jokes in it. I don't know if it was because I was 19 and that's what I really wanted to watch on screen. But, like... When I watched when I watched The Spy Who Shagged Me, like I fell in love with it. Like, like I said, I'd seen the first one, and I was just like, okay, Austin Powers is funny. It's it's a James Bond ripoff, whatever. But like that second, yeah, movie yeah, yeah, solidified yeah. that character for me. Well, they they took everything that was good about the first one, the the things that made the first one even become a cult following, and they made it better with this one. Like I agree with you. Like the the, the second. Austin Powers was way better than the first one. Funnier. Is, no, is, I'm not going to say better. It was funnier. Is I the Spice Shag Me, is that Fat Bastard? Yeah. yeah. It's the first time I said so, yeah. 
but he's he's a much smaller role than they ended up bringing him in in Goldmember, which I absolutely hate. So that sucks. Yeah. But I I think the third one is garbage. But it I really love the second Austin Powers movie. How did we not talk about Varsity Blues or Ten Things I Hate About You tonight? Dude, we haven't touched very many of the teen. She's all that movies. cruel intentions. Did you, you, could, you could do Jan- this for January, a week about ninety nine movies. January well, January of nineteen ninety nine was great for Paul Walker because he got to be two douchebags in one in in one month. He got to be we, Lance Harbor, uh, and he got to be the guy in She's All That. That's just complete trash. So uh, Jay Bird and I went to AMC last year with some other friends and saw Cruel Intentions on the big screen for the 20th was that anniversary. A baby? Huh? Was that a yes, baby? that was. Yes, Where? that was. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> a baby not born in 1999. <laughs> no, no, who's got a baby? Chris has a baby. Chris oh. had a baby right, oh, when, the, oh, right hey. when the pandemic started. Hey, nice. Oh, yep. no baby. Uh, it's also named, she's also named after a Shrek character. Fiona? Yeah. Oh, good guess, Jason. I wanted to ask well, you guys. Dad's... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, except for dad's the ogre. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't brought up controversy okay. in 1999, and I Ooh. feel like one of the most controversy films was Eyes Wide Shut. That movie sucked. Oh, yeah. Oh, bad. Wasn't that oh. Kubrick's last one? Uh, yes, it was Kubrick's yes. last film that he died while making, and Spielberg had to complete the movie. Uh, supposedly, Spielberg changed a lot of things. Uh, I thought that was AI. Oh, you may be right. I think you're right I about that. I want to say he it shot, is AI. It is yeah, AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I all get... of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut for me was um, it's one of those movies where like I don't own it, but if it's ever on cable, I somehow another stop and I'm sucked in, and I find it very frightening, fascinating, um, and just something like I've never fucking seen before. Well, and what's interesting is, I there are multiple movies that I have not revisited since the movie theater. And Eyes Wide Shut would be one of them, along with American Beauty. So I don't know if life being different for me now would, and if I watch those movies now, going back and watch them now, while the way that everything is going with, you know, just being an adult and having kids and everything, like if that would completely change my understanding and how I, how the film interacts with me on a personal level. So like, now you're I'm sitting here going maybe I should watch those again but if I don't really like something I turn it off the first 20 minutes that's so true it might be but worth, so, watch, might be worth so, 20 minutes to see if I but like can it. someone tell me like really what was the there's something about it I don't know if it's my mind playing with me but because you know like The Shining was such a, a cult hit and People admire it and love it, the Stanley Kubrick's work and such. And you, he has that tone in his movies where you like, you know, it's him, him, mm-hmm. his, it's his, his stamp on it. And there was such a creepiness factor and such a throwback 
like Eyes Wide Shut was in a in a current time, but it seemed like it was a much older time period. But it, it wasn't. Um, but there's something fascinating about that movie, but I still don't know what the point of that movie was. Is it like fucking rich people do crazy sex shit? I mean, okay, real, real quick, because I, I realized that I thought that I was correct. Uh, Stanley Kubrick died four days after presenting his final cut to Warner Brothers of Eyes Wide Shut. So it wasn't AI. This was his last movie he ever made. He died before the the actual final cut was ever made. Um, I believe it was Steven Spielberg that did the that did the recut of it. Um, and, I and, think so. And did all the extra shooting or whatnot. But this was Stanley Kubrick's last film, and he died four days after he turned in his cut to Warner Brothers. And I know that a lot of the controversy about it was. It was going to be NC-17, the cut that he turned in, because there was a lot of full frontal nudity, a lot of sex stuff that was on screen, and they ended up skirting that by putting on shadows and things and over those uh, areas yeah. in the movie. But, but uh, what, was, what was that movie? What was the premise of that movie? Uh, it, it, it literally was just the rabbit hole of Tom Cruise going down trying to understand this subculture society that he heard about. Uh, I don't remember what, I haven't watched it. Well, I guess I watched it last year, but whatever. I don't really remember it that well. Uh, um, it, it really was him, fall, him. So he's in the sex shop at one point because somebody recommended him going to the sex shop. And that's when he sees Lily Sobieski and becomes obsessed with her and then starts investigating her and like what her job is and finds out that she works at these like underground masked sex club event things. And so he tries to find a way to get involved with those because he's just, he's obsessed with her character and trying to understand her lifestyle. Um, I, I agreed last year when I rewatched it, I still didn't really understand the point of it. But I tried to read a lot of stuff as I was watching it to see, like, what people were claiming was the point of it. Um, I just remember being very blah about it when I rewatched it. But if you want to talk about controversy in 1999, i got to bring up Kevin Smith's Dogma. It got oh, greatest satire yeah. ever. Great satire movie. How people were boycotting it and how the Catholic Church was reacting Months before the movie was ever actually in theaters for people to the Buddy Christ, <laughs> that was awesome. Like I would say, that might have had to be the biggest controversy of '99. Did you like it, Jason? Uh, it, it's. I honestly don't think I've watched it since the theater. I own it, but I haven't popped it in since. Um, Is that the one where Linus Morris plays God? Last yes. Joseph plays God at the um, very last scene. Okay. I, don't remember, I remember us watching the movie and me going, this is a pro-God movie. Oh, yeah. Not an anti-God movie. Yep. So, like, like Shane said, it was one of those moments where you're going, why did you guys... It's, it's rushing to judgment before you know what's going on. Like, and It's I'm, just like, oh, we're going to condemn this movie even though we have no idea no what's idea in what it's about. we've never watched it. I just wanted... watching In the midst of watching that movie... I'm just like Kevin Smith. I'm sorry, but I just want to pitch in your, your your ass and fucking 
the in, in the comedies of in the, the convenience stores and the neighborhood and whatnot. Don't get into all this shit. Okay. Yeah, the idolatry and the and everything. I can get that. Um, I'm like, come on, man, go back to snowballing or something. You know? <laughs> if 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 you listen to a lot of his talks about dogma and and even the talks about him protesting his own movie just to have fun with it, uh, one of the things was was he was going through a lot of crisis of faith in his own life at that time. Uh, so dogma was actually the first movie he ever wrote before he went to film school. Uh, he went to film school, they ended up doing Clerks, Small Rest, Chasing Amy, and then he was like, oh, I've got this very first script that I wrote before Clerks, let me go back and look at this again, because I'm really questioning my faith again. And it, it, he did it more as a cathartic thing for himself, to just address, this is kind of how I feel about church and religion and, and things like that, but I want to put a funny spin on it, because that's who I am. I, I get that. It's just one of those things, and I, and I respect that. It's just kind of, and and trust me, I am no religious person by any means whatsoever, and I'm, it wasn't yeah. like I was offended or anything like that. I was just bored. That's all. Okay. And that's understandable. It definitely has a lot of bizarre subplots that that don't really even make sense or need to be there. Like, it could have been a much tighter and better movie. Uh, without a, a doubt. monster alone. Sure. <laughs> I should have liked it because I don't make sense. So I should have liked it. Well, and on that cast, though. What was that? That, that cast was brilliant. Oh, the cast oh, was yeah. great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, but, but the movie itself was phenomenal. I mean, I grew up, I grew up raised Irish, devout Irish Catholic. Um, I'm no longer. I'm a born again Christian. Uh, but that being said, that movie came out when I was, you know, it was like for all for the most of us except Galligan, uh coming of age. You know, he was still <laughs> you know, couldn't drive. But sorry, but <laughs> but but I mean it really was it was a it was a complete satire of Catholicism. Kevin Smith himself was raised Catholic and mm-hmm. and, and it was it was a very uh, looking at it as at the time of practicing Catholic. It was satire, it was lighthearted, but in no way was it meant to be a definitive rebuke of faith or faith in general, what no matter what you believe in. Um, well, it's just it's just finding finding the humor in organized religion uh, to him. Uh, and it translated well. Let, let's address our two not comedy Catholic movies that came out in the fourth quarter of this year, which cool. are Stigmata and End of Days. End of days, man. Like that's. I'm a hardcore. Grew up. Every movie was an Arnold movie, pretty much mm-hmm. in my household in the '80s, man. Like, if it wasn't Total Recall, it was Terminator. If it wasn't sure. Terminator, it was Red Heat, Commando, all of them, man. Like Predator. Oh, Predator. Yeah. Like yep. I mean, like uh, Conan. Both of them. Even the second one, the crappy version, second movie that they made. Raw but, uh, deal. Well, it. Raw deal. Raw deal, man. Like, yeah, there's so many that were so, like, even when you see a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the 80s. love it. You still love it. But then, like, this, along with The Sixth Day, along with Collateral Damage, all these movies that he did just were crap. The only one I liked around that time was Eraser. Like um, that was three years earlier. I kind of liked yeah. Collateral Damage a little bit. 
oh dude i don't know what it was maybe it was just like me growing older and wanting more out of my films and expecting more out of movies when i was older compared to younger um but like end of days i thought was really messed up and i although the whole movie is not very good at all um i can't fault arnold schwarzenegger in that movie because his his acting it feels like he was actually acting on a higher level than everybody else was in that film. And everybody else kind of just was like phoning it in where he was actually trying to hit that next level. And I really enjoy the ending and the self-sacrifice at the end. Like I thought that like, that was like the redemptive part for that entire movie for me was because like, I wasn't expecting it. I expected him to find a way to just beat, beat the, you know, the devil and be able to survive and everything. So so real quick, can I bring up that what I find funny about these two movies is when Stigmata was released, we had Gabriel Byrne playing a priest and then End of Days <laughs> was released and we had Gabriel Byrne playing the devil. I just Stigmata, always find that. Stigmata was <laughs> fucked up. I Stigmata just, was ridiculous. I just remember sitting and watching that movie and there was one point I just had to get up and go to the bathroom because I'm like, I'm going to fucking turn into Linda Blair here in a second. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. was, just, it was that like stir of echoes was, or just, oh, stir of echoes is so good. Disturbing. Yeah. That was uh, 99 also, I believe. Stir of echoes was 99. Stir of echoes is so good. And it's so good because like it, it's a mystery, but it also taps into like supernatural elements. Wouldn't Stir Echoes trying to be like a six sense ripoff a little bit? It, well, it in came way, out around the same time. The problem was it came around. If you watch it now, you will not see it as a six sense ripoff. The problem was they came out like a month or two apart. Like Stir yeah. of Echoes is very like uh, he uh, Kevin Bacon gets hypnotized and starts seeing visions of a murdered girl, but he knows that she's murdered, so he tries to start solving her murder. It wasn't like a, I see dead people and I don't know I'm people. seeing dead people. It was, he knows she's dead, and he becomes obsessed with solving her murder. And gotcha. last year when I rewatched it, I, I still loved it. I thought it was, it, it's very, like, you have to, uh, you know, let go of some you know, suspension of disbelief. Like, there's some things in it that are kind of kooky, but, like, it's a science fiction mystery movie that I really enjoy. David Coop, was that him? I think so. I, uh, oh. That's not the right movie. Like I tell oh. my kids, the amount of useless information that sticks in my head for things that will never, never make me money. Yep. <laughs> Written and directed by David Coop. Yep. Okay. What do you guys think of The Insider? I was bored. I think was, that the, was, was that the smoking movie? one? Yes, Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. Um, I was bored, but I respect their acting in that movie. I thought they I both like did the well. I like the quiet, the quiet intensity. Who was that? Who? Uh, somebody, uh, an action director directed that, didn't they? Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. The quiet intensity to be put in that position, where you know, basically, you're going against the tobacco company, and you know, the threats and, you know, the, the big business of that. And basically you've got this guy who is narking basically. Mm -hmm. And just that it was kind of a, a quiet, intense, stressed movie, if that makes sense. Like it made you think like if you were working for a company and put in that position, like, 
what would you do? You know, sure. and then the threats that you're up against and, and, you know, of an industry like that. I, 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 I liked it in a boring, quiet kind of way. For sure. Weird because Michael Mann is definitely a hit or miss director for me. I'll like, agree with that. I either really enjoy his movie or I am bored to tears and I don't want to ever watch it again. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy, um, I haven't seen Last of the Mohicans in a very long time, but I like that. Nope. Heat, I think, is a very overrated movie, personally. I love Heat. Uh, whereas I loved Ali. I really enjoyed Collateral until the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, Miami Vice was crap. Yeah. And crap. Public Enemies was, like, really well done, but super long. Like, that one could have been major cut down, so. Sure. I still think the scene with... Val Kimmer and uh, Ashley Judd, where she tells him basically to go away and she didn't say anything to him because the cops are there. Yeah. It, and Heat is genius. Agreed. Yeah, so, agreed. so intense, but quiet. Yeah. Uh, so we've already passed the hour mark. So uh, the last thing that I would like for us to wrap up with, because it was age appropriate for me and most everybody else on this call is going back to the teen movies. We've addressed American Pie a lot, but we've, we've got movies like 10 Things I Hate About You, where we had Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Heath Ledger, uh, Julia Stiles, uh, the guy who ended up being uh, Mr. Universe in Serenity, um, David, David, somebody on Kramer, maybe? I can't remember his last name, uh, Crumholtz, David Crumholtz. Um, we just had, a, that, that has an amazing cast. I got a movie like Go, like the beginning of Timothy Oliphant, Katie Holmes, um, Tay Diggs, Brecken Meyer. Like you had basically everybody from Can't Hardly Wait in this movie. And like Dawson's Creek, like uh, Go put together an amazing cast. Um, She's All That and Varsity Blues that we've addressed briefly. Like those both had great casts. What, like those are teen movies that to this day I can put on, love them, watch them. Uh, they were age appropriate for me. Obviously we mentioned Cruel Intentions earlier. Uh, stuff like Idle Hands with uh, uh, Seth Green and Devin Sawa, who went on to do Final Destination this year. Um, what? Man, that's the some throwback movies right there. Yeah, like like those like those are like the those Idle are the Hands. Whoa, that made me uh, as a as a nineteen year old teenage male working at the movie theater. Like I saw myself in all of these, and and I, as I said at the top of this, like I have a a very emotional connection to this movie because it was the first year I worked at a movie theater. Like I said, Jason was my boss. Uh, Jason Richardson was my boss. Jason Mayer was my friend, like all through high school. Like I, I hit 1999 as a fresh movie theater employee. And, and I embraced a lot of these movies, especially the teenage ones that came out at that time. What, what movies around this time are ones that like you feel helped create like like they stick with you today and help create who you are Notting Hill Notting Hill really I'm a hopeless I'm a hopeless romantic I like romantic movies sure I, I am the guy that's made fun of because I like the you've got males the sleepless of Seattle's I, I like I like romantic type comedy movies uh, where you kind of just jump in and get to know the characters and their crazy family members and shit like that. Jaber, may I ask you a personal question right now? Yeah. What year did you come out? Uh, 2001. 
Okay, so so in '99, in in '99, do you in '99 did you see romantic comedies any differently, or did that not matter to you? I I still see them the same as today. Okay. Yeah. Well, a love story is a love story to you, and that it just doesn't matter. Correct. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Jason Mayer. Oof. Um. Movies that stick with me from that year, huh? Yeah. Um, like ones that you feel like helped at that time. And ni- like 19-year-old Jason. What would 19-year-old Jason and, and almost 40-year-old Jason agree are movies that, that, that have stuck with you on an emotional level? <laughs> as silly as it sounds, Varsity Blues is on that list for me. Sure. Um, Tweeter does uh, what Tweeter does. I, I, mean, I think it's a pig. Um, no, but uh, six, six cents. Okay, dude, Office Space came out that year. Office like, Space was that year. Yes. Oh gosh. So I mean, like, I can't if imagine. You, if, you, if you start going down the list, you're going to see a, like a lot of movies. That you're going to be like, I can't believe we didn't talk about this one. Well, I looked at I looked at pretty much the the all the releases for '99, and I wrote down ones that just kind of stuck out with me. But I have a, a theme here. In that, like earlier, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love, I love Fight Club, I love Six sure. Sense, I love American Beauty, I love American Pie, but when it comes down to like, if I were, if I could only have like two of these movies, mm-hmm. and and I'd be stuck in a room for like two months, mm-hmm. Never Been Kissed would be the first one. Nice. And I probably would pick Notting Hill secondly, just because wrong with I can watch them over and over and enjoy them every single time. Yeah, and it's kind of the same the, the same thing if they're romantic comedies. Yep. Jason, what are you shaking your head about? I'm sorry, I just came across Entrapment, and I and it's like <laughs> the last good movie that Sean Connery ever made. Like, yeah, like well, like acceptable movie he ever made. Let me put it that way. I won't say it's a good movie. I just remember Catherine Zetas Jones. Sure. You know, cat move underneath the uh, lasers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's edged in this brain. Sure. All of time. Um, if I if we're going the same route as like Jay Bird was just talking about, where it's like pick two or three movies that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to bump off Varsity Blues. Okay. Uh, Matrix would definitely be in that list for me. Um. I'm trying to think of what else would be on that list for sure. Tarzan's probably on that list. And then um I'd I'm gonna I'm gonna pick three instead of two. Okay. Just for the simple fact that like I I would need the 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 different movies to go up and down with. Sure. Uh, and it's ten things I hate about you. Like so that, much movie, fun. that movie's so, so fun. solid. Good Beginning movie. to end, no matter what what mood i'm in sure like, that's another one tv is on it's on no matter yep. what um you've got and, two great love stories that play out like at the same time but separate and it's it, it, it's it's so fun to watch and i still don't like bianca even though i think she's adorable <laughs> and i totally understand why you be with her like, I'm just like, <laughs> no no like go with gabriel union instead like go with her instead oh right? man i mean it's it's no it's it's no secret that i'm in love with julia styles so <laughs> i i from since i since 1999 wished i was heath ledger in many ways it's really funny because it's one of those moments where if you're picking two or three 
and you're pushing everything aside, you're just like, but that one over there. And that well, one. What about <laughs> the other guys? Too. I, I don't, but yeah. What about what? What about the other guys? And they're, Andy, they're, they're Andy give, me, give, me, give me a couple movies from 99 that, that have stuck with you that you, that 14 year old Andy and current day Andy agree are important now, to you. Elmo and Graps Land. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, um, I'm trying to think of movies that we haven't talked about because one is The Mummy. Um, I'm not going to okay. lie to you. Sure. Little, little Me wanted to be um, the action adventure star. And Big Rick O'Connell. Uh, but one we haven't talked about that I, I still love to this day and, and will always watch and always love, especially now that I'm a parent, is Big Daddy. Uh, oh, love for sure. Oh, how did we not get to and, Big uh, Daddy? <laughs> yes. That is my all-time I, favorite Adam Sandler yeah. movie. Like Big Daddy is so much fun. Yeah, love it yes. to this day, and it it, yes. it 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 stuck with me for different reasons then than it does now. But um, yeah, I, classic. Oh yeah, you are you are one hundred percent right. I cannot believe I didn't bring that up earlier. Big That's right. Did like you said, you could go down phenomenal. this list and and pinpoint a thousand movies that we haven't talked about. So. Sure. Do you have a third one? Oh geez. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I don't know. Um, ones that we haven't talked about, you know, I enjoyed Bicentennial Man. Um, I thought that was a good kind of, uh, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. Um, sure. So prior to this, I was actually looking like, what did he make in 1999? Nice. I was like, oh, like, oh, he was in Bicentennial Man. Uh, I haven't seen it for a while. Um, but again, probably one of those that I would look back and, and enjoy for different reasons. Sure. Um, than I did when I first watched it. But yeah. And then Office Space. Office, yeah. Office Space is so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wardo, you had you had time. Give us uh, give us a couple of movies from '99 that that uh, I, I feel like you're like a couple years younger than you've been like 17. Then maybe I was 18. 18. Okay, so 18 year old Chris and current day Chris, give me some movies from this time that, that you both agree on. Fight Club. Okay. Um, it's just one of those movies that 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 stands the test of time. Um. I know I might get probably yelled at by one of you, uh, but I would say The Phantom Menace because it is the first chapter uh, in in the story of uh, how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader and how the seeds yeah. were sown. You didn't do this time. Of 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 the of the one two three trilogy, I think it's the best one. I will always. Well, I mean, I will that's, always. That's saying it's saying it's a polished turd. Um, I will always say that it has the best lightsaber duel of any Star Wars movie, all nine of them combined. Fact. Um, Fact. There, there are some animated, there are some animated fight scenes that give it a run for its money, but as far as actual live action fight scenes, that that duel of fates is the best ever put on film. Best sword fight ever. And then, forget lightsaber; it's just sword fight. Just, period. Yeah, just best fencing duel. It is it is so good and so emotional and and so, like just from the minute that hangar bay door opens and Obi Wan says we got this like it's so it's, what, what was the beef with Phantom Menace that people had then Jar 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 ruined it Jar Jar may have everybody been a bigger controversy than Dogma well everybody ah. hated Jar Jar and everybody really disliked having such a young Anakin that was acting like so carefree. Because sure. I remember everybody making fun of the yippee moment in the movie. Like that and Jar Jar Binks, everybody hated. Uh, well, it, I won't say everybody. Old, I mean. But and yeah, like. 
what, I'm, what, what, I'm sitting there. I was 18 when that movie came out. I absolutely loved it. Um, I saw that movie 13 times in the movie theater. Uh, I paid for probably like nine of those. Because well, um, what was it? In the first 48 hours, you saw it six times. I saw I saw the employee sleep. screening. I saw it at midnight, three a.m., six a.m. Yep. And then I saw it again. It was it was like in the first forty eight hours I'd seen it five, five times. Five times, yeah. So That's yeah, because I saw it again at like eleven o'clock the next night. My so. God, dude, I uh, was a fetish. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I've told Shane this before. The first movie I can ever remember seeing in a movie theater was uh, Return of the Jedi. I remember the lightsaber fight. That was the first thing I can remember being in a movie theater and seeing. And I mean, like, probably A New Hope is probably still my favorite movie of all time. Um, I don't even think it's the best Star Wars movie, but I love it the most out of all the Star Wars movies. Um, but yeah, like that original trilogy, like literally defined growing up as sure. it did most of the people my age. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I'll, put it this, I'll put it this way, boys. Because I know I'm the oldest one in this group here. <laughs> By the way, in 1999, I was 25 years old. Um, the uh, speaking of the Star Wars, the originals, I I I can remember being as a kid going to see the originals in the theaters. Like I would I would I went to the Eastwood Theater on Pendleton Pike to watch it in the 70 millimeter. So I would have been, you know, 1977, I was four years old and remembering Star Wars. Is that the first movie you remember? No, the first movie I remember um, was a Sean Connery Disney film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. We Little People, okay. And watched it at uh, the, the uh, uh, Castleton uh, Arts. It would have been, you know, before Arts. Yeah, four, five, Back six. In the 70s, 80s, um, in the parking lot. Um, but if Darby O'Gill and the Little People and John Carpenter's Halloween were my first two movies. Nice. In the theater. That you can remember. Yes. Okay. Because, like, my son's first movie was Kick Ass, but he was like, he was like three <laughs> weeks old. <laughs> so, Father uh, of the year. <laughs> my wife brought him. <laughs> So, and I saw Halloween at the uh, Glendale 1 through 3 theater. It's probably only a Glendale 1 2 at that point. It was, uh, no, they had three, and it was in Cinema 2. Because um, they, they cut that first theater in half. First in half, yeah. Dude, and, can you uh, imagine 500? What was that? Like, that one was like 700 seats. One and two, one and two originally were like 700 piece. And then they cut one of them to make 350, 350 in the 700 seater still. Like, dude, it, like, oh, I miss <laughs> being able to. The, the last time, uh, sorry to hijack that. Uh, oh, the last time I remember a movie that I paid to see, or whether I paid to see it or whatever, um, sold out auditorium was The Dark Knight. Okay. Like, that's the last time I went to a sold out show because I watch everything before it opens. Mm-hmm. But that, like, Dude, I love being there. It was opening weekend. I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night. And sitting there in a sold-out auditorium, literally have to sit next to my wife and some stranger I don't know. And I loved every minute of it. Everybody was quiet. Everybody was on pins and needles throughout the whole movie because it was so freaking good. Um, 
And I miss that. And I hope, I, and I know Shane and I have debated about this stuff, but like, I really hope that more people realize how important it is to sit in a movie theater with that kind of thing. Cause like, yeah. I hate, I hate, like, I enjoy that I get to see the movies early, but I really hate the fact that I don't get to like witness crowd reaction on a bigger level. Cause there's things that like when Shane and I watch movies together that we just will laugh at, but we're like chuckling. But I've been to movies where somebody's laughing like I am stupidly at something really silly. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it even funnier. And oh so yeah. I just, I was just, stuff. I was just telling someone the other day, um, Actually, not the other day. I'd say within the last few months. Um, I've kind of went through a struggle. I'm kind of going through this. I'm better now. But a few months ago, I was kind of going through a little slight midlife crisis. And to make a long story short, um, we're, things are evolving each day and things are changing and um, right, right in front of us. And, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I was born in 1973. And, you know, I, I've, in my time that I've been here, have seen things evolve and change. Uh, some things better than others. But I was going through this thing a couple months ago where I kind of felt like um, the novelty has worn off on a lot of things. And kind of as Jason was saying, like, you know, Back in the day, like in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, even though I was a kid, you know, go back to the 80s. You know, you stood in line at the movies. Movies would sell out, which then created hype, demand. So then you'd buy tickets for the next show in two hours and then you'd go fool around and go and do something stupid for two hours somewhere. Um now we, we have like our, our fingertips on everything. We get information ahead of time and there's no um, surprise of anything. There's no anticipation of buildup, you know what I mean, anymore. And going to the movies in the 80s is not like going to the movies today. Nope. Um, and, you know, I'm so glad that I was fortunate to, to have experienced that that kid in the movie theater watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, watching Star Wars, uh, watching John Carpenter's Halloween, although it scared the shit out of me. Um, It's just so different now. And so, you know, everything is put out there now. There's no surprise of anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even like with music, music, you can just get the snap of a finger, right? You know how you used to to listen to the radio for your favorite song in that anticipation buildup? And then hit the record. (laughs) Play record. Oh, man, I missed the beginning of it. I mean, and and going back... Or somebody spoke over and you beat the crap out of me. I feel like we've lost that. We have lost that. And and going to the movies now, you know, we're fucking reclining back like we're at home at a fucking movie theater. You know what I mean? And... Uh. And and you got to think, 1999 was like right at the dawn of the internet. Imagine if the Sixth Sense was released today. Yeah. Like your 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 Facebook timeline friends would spoil that for you on Friday night. I like, would really hope not. I mean, people were really cool about Game of Thrones for the most part. My, I mean, not my friends. Oh, okay. Endgame. Yeah. Um, Endgame like, people were cool. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because the Russos basically said if you if your movie gets spoiled, you get you have the right to beat the crap out of whoever tells you. 
and and I think, but you know, like that's kind of cool, like that they went to that extreme to go ahead and release that as a statement. Because yeah, like I I, I don't know, man. Like I agree with you, Jay Bird. Like it's one of those things that like nobody, my kids will never know that. Yep. Um, and the, what's crazy now is still working at a movie theater and Black Panther weekend, right? One of our busiest weekends we've had. One of the busiest weekends I think movie theaters have had in the last 10 years. Easy. It was just absolutely crazy. It was bigger than, it was bigger than the Avenger movies, at least at our theater. Yep. And, and it was just nuts. But what I found really interesting was people were coming in, trying to buy tickets, we tell them we were sold out, but offered to sell them like the next showing, which we were on three or four screens at that point. So they were waiting like an hour, maybe. And they would be like, no, we're good. And then they'd leave. Like they were going to go to a different movie theater and be able to go in immediately instead of just buying that ticket and just waiting around for like that hour or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, it's insane to think of the way that mental, the mentality that people have nowadays where they're just like, oh, like, I can totally just go over there and it'll be right where I want oh, it to be. Oh, no, we would, we, back in the day in the 80s, you know, you go see E.T., oh, it's sold out. Okay, it's not for another, okay, we'll get tickets for the 4 o'clock show. Okay, we'll go run to the mall and hang out at the time. And, yep. I was going to say, you know, and then you, you know, had Castleton Square. Yeah. Where, like, like you'd sell something else, and then you go buy the ticket, and then you just walk right down, go play at the arcade for a couple hours or whatever, and then people go will walk have around no window shop. People will have no idea what an incredible experience it was to be part of that time period of going to see ET and Poltergeist and Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Goonies um, in the theaters at that time during that period where all you had was like at the concession stand was popcorn a drink and a couple candies and that was it that was it now we've got popcorn shrimp chicken tenders oh, mozzarella God. sticks way way too many food options now yeah but I, I didn't mean to take away time from you guys but sorry too. about that oh you're good i'm looking at your ceiling now what sorry i'm trying to get my plug thing what about um your other friends here what do they think of I mean, because I don't know their ages, so. Andy? Uh, yeah, sorry, I fell off there. Were you still talking about experiences in the movie theater? Experiences in a movie theater, yeah. yeah. Like uh, then compared to now. Yeah, so I was born in 86, um, 34 years old. I, my earliest memories of the movie theater were Lion King and, oh, geez. Um, Bold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously different and and just from uh, how about this i'll go back to my my day so i started working in a movie theater in 2002 general cinema eastgate and yeah we had popcorn and uh i think the nachos. Fluffy machine i'm not sure you were in we, it, you we, were eastgate you worked at yeah. eastgate we just learned this at the beginning of the call yeah i, I didn't left, know that i left eastgate in 94 oh, okay I left it in 2000 and that's where i started back. so so who was the managers there uh, Donita, John, um, Purdy, and I think I think a Donna. There was a Donna something. It was yeah, Donna from okay. Greenwood. Damn it, A. Jones, Demita. <laughs> <laughs> Were you there when Demita got canned and they brought over mm, Devin? No, okay. uh, I think I'd already already left there. Um, and then I so so I have those memories um, and. 
look like taking like I, I took a hiatus from movie theater I, I really hadn't gone to one for a while until um my kids were born um they're six four and two now <laughs> uh so you know just just going back and seeing like you said like the chicken tenders and the pizza and the, like that to me bothers me the most and that and walking into a movie theater and seeing the recliners and seeing that it, I mean it looks like they took out three quarters of the seats to make room for these recliners and I'm like yep. what and then I lean back on one I'm like okay this is nice but <laughs> it's still like I, I remember walking in there and being like where's all the seats you know like where's uh, I don't understand that but um, I, I can't say I've ever actually seen a a sold out movie i'm sure i have i'm just i don't know you know i love movies it just was never my thing to go to a movie theater i guess gotcha maybe, maybe because i since i worked in one i was jaded but no i feel you on I, that i, I won't can't, go can't even, yeah i won't go if it's a crowd of people i i watch <laughs> everything in small intimate settings without yeah without people well, it's like even even talking about the movies that we were talking about now in 1999, like, uh, so I have an older brother who's three years older than me. The movies that we talked about, I watched mm -hmm. VHS movies okay. that were in his collection that I, oh, nice. that I was like, oh, I want to watch this. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And like, you know, I grew up with like, I, I don't think I've, I've seen any of these movies we've talked about in theater. I think Big oh, Daddy wow. I, saw, I saw in theaters. Um, yeah, like, eh. I guess it just, Shows how young I am. <laughs> Phantom Menace I saw in theaters. Nice. Um, and I really like that one. That was that was a good experience in the theater. It's definitely changed though, and I feel like it's it's a recent change. Like it's not, you know, it hasn't been like I would say what the last five to ten years is when it really, really all changed. Oh yeah, I'd say last five. Yep. Yeah. Six. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know if it, and and the the movies haven't gotten any cheaper. I guess more expensive than anything. I'll Not at it. all. What is it? A brand new uh, a seat up at an AMC if it's a specialty theater, which is mm -hmm. one of their IMAX or like their Dolby or whatever. It's almost twenty dollars a seat per yeah. person. Like that's that's insane. Whereas like the regular tickets like eleven fifty or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so this and this is the last thing I'll say about, it, and then I probably gotta get off of here. But um, yeah, we'll probably wrap it up after whatever whatever you say. These uh these this COVID thing. So my my girls have really been been wanting to watch this Trolls 2 movie that, you know, mm -hmm. now you can rent for $20. Yep. And uh, I, I, I told him no. I was like, there's no, because wow. you, you don't get the experience. Like, I, and I told him, like, it's, it's still 20 bucks, which is ridiculous, but, like, we don't have surround sound. We don't have... Sure. But at the same time, if you, if, hold on, if you took your kids to see that movie in theater, just you and three kids, you're looking mm -hmm. at $40 in tickets already. Right, so but half I, of that to watch it at home. He's paying for the experience to go yeah, exactly. out. Exactly. Thank okay. you, Jason. And that—that's, I guess, that's the point that I'm trying to make. Is is movie theater, even though it's changed, is still an experience. It's still sure. an event. And sitting at home watching it on your TV just doesn't do it. And I—I I feel like what we've talked about for about the last five minutes is probably a good topic for a future episode because I feel like we could do a lot of comparisons about old school theaters, get a bunch of other theater workers that we've had, get them on here for one. I will say that uh, I have my next two episodes planned out. Uh, episode two is going to be called Sequels. Uh, we are going to talk about sequels and whether we think they are better than their originals or not. And the third episode is going to be called Trilogies. 
and we are going to talk about trilogies as a whole, where all three of the movies are taken into account. So obviously The Matrix is going to drop off of uh, anybody's list really quickly. Um, but so we are going to do sequels, and then trilogies will be episode three. And maybe by episode four, if this COVID stuff is still going on, we will do another episode about movie theater changes, and we'll see the state of movie theaters at that point. Uh, but I, I, want, I wonder if after this COVID thing, I really wonder if the Zoom thing will continue because I, for some reason, feel like it may. I think you're right. And, and, and if, if this is what I need to do to get podcasts with you guys so that it's not like, hey, what, what night can all of you guys come over to my house and we can record this together? It's what night can we all be on a Zoom call for an hour together? And I apologize that we went quite a bit over the hour tonight. Uh, but I th thought we had a great conversation and I loved everything that we talked about. Um, but this is so much easier to get people together to have conversations sure. like this. Um, you're all in the comfort of your own home and uh, you can drink or not drink or you can, you know, have something on in the background or not. Or you can deal with your kids like Ward had to tonight. Uh, if you're if you're listening and not watching, Ward had to cut out a couple of minutes ago. He was definitely on daddy duty during during uh, the call. Um, but it, uh, it, I think Zoom will continue for the most part, especially uh, I do a Zoom call on Tuesday, and I, I have friends that are all over the United States that are on that call. Um, so I don't know if it'll be a weekly thing with them in the future like it is right now, but I think Zoom's probably going to stick around because I've never heard of it before all of this started. Yeah. Uh, well, on a, on a um, I'll let you guys go. But before I do, one movie you forgot to mention or bring, uh -oh. no one brought up, uh -oh. Election. Uh, I mentioned it in my first 35, but we did never go back and talk about that. I still I, – I, I have a lot of fond memories of that movie. I, I think it's Crazy a lot flick. of fun. Crazy yep, flick. flick. Vote for Flick. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I want to thank pleasure, you guys. guys. Thank you guys for talking movies with me. I've wanted to do something like this for a long time just because I absolutely love talking movies. Uh, I, Jason and Jason, I've talked movies with you guys for 20 years. Jason Mayer longer than that. Andy, I know we talked a lot of movies over beers at the Fox and the Hound. Uh, I'm so happy to see you. I know we don't see each other very often anymore, but thank you for responding uh, to my call out. It was a great catching up with you and getting, since you're a couple years younger, getting your perspective on things that year. Like, I had a lot of fun tonight, and thank you guys so much for being a part of it. Um, next week, uh, I'll throw up a thing and see who's interested in talking about sequels. All right. Is it same time next week? Uh, probably same time next week. All, All right. right, man. All right. Hey, have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening, and Thanks. I will talk to everybody later. All right. Bye.